0: When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
2: Tonight, on Piers Morgan on Censor, tech giants are grilled over their deadly failure to protect children. If they can censor opinions they don't like, why can't they keep our vulnerable users safe? Ben Shapiro's anti-woke rap song is tearing up the charts. Now, inevitably, he's been accused of cultural appropriation and racism. Do his critics have a point? I'll share an uncensored rap battle. panel. And the top vegan restaurant says falling sales and empty tables have forced it into a rather significant change. It's going to sell meat. As the penny finally dropped, nobody wants to eat gruel on their big night outs. Live from the news building in London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Every so often, the West Coast tech giants are hauled over to the East Coast of the United States for a ritual humiliation at the hands of a US Senate. They land a few punches, they get punched a few times, a few headlines get generated, and you end up with some very powerful people looking pretty uncomfortable, but nothing normally really changes... When it comes to an issue as serious as child abuse, it surely has to. Yesterday, the head honchos of tech giants clearly Meta, TikTok, Snapchat and X appeared in Congress to face questions on the serious harm their products are causing to children. Some of the exchanges were toe-curling, none more so than the moment Mark Zuckerberg, who runs Meta, which is Facebook and Instagram, attempted to explain why some content flagged as child abuse on Instagram somehow remains available to view.
3: This material wasn't just living on the dark corners of Instagram. Instagram was helping pedophiles find it by promoting graphic hashtags, including hashtag ped whore and hashtag preteen sex, to potential buyers. Instagram also displayed the following warning screen to individuals who were searching for child abuse material. These results may contain images of child sexual abuse. And then you gave users two choices. Get resources or see results anyway. Mr. Zuckerberg, what the hell were you thinking? All right, Senator. Um, the, the, The basic science behind that is that when people are searching for something that is problematic... It's often helpful to, rather than just blocking it, to help direct them towards something that, um, that could be helpful for getting them to get help. In what... I also, understand get resources. In what sane universe is there a link for C results anyway? Well, because we might be wrong.
2: Well, yeah, you might be. But really, that's the excuse? Surely if there is any risk whatsoever that images of child abuse are being shared... They must be instantly removed. How can any sane person argue otherwise? Senator Lindsey Graham was loudly cheered by watching parents when he said this.
3: Mr Zuckerberg, you and the companies before us, I know you don't mean it to be so, but you have blood on your hands. You have a product... You have a product that's killing
4: people.
2: Well, he has a product that's incredibly popular and it's made him incredibly rich... A lot of people use Facebook very safely, and there's no problem with that. It's one of the most successful companies in history. But the people that were cheering there were parents whose children had been victims of horrific exploitation on those platforms or whose children had taken their lives. Well, Martin Zuckerberg made this apology. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to
3: these good people?
5: And, Shark, everything that you have all gone through is terrible. No-one should have to go through the things that your families have have suffered. And this is
3: why we invest so much and are going to continue doing industry-leading efforts to uh, to make sure that no-one has to go through the types of things that your families have had to suffer.
2: Well, despite his rather unfortunate tendency to look and sound like an AI-generated lawyer, I do believe Mark Zuckerberg wants his products to be a force for good in the world. And at least he had the decency to turn round and apologise to those parents. He wasn't by any means the only tech giant boss there. They were all there. But he was the one that did that, and credit to him for doing so. This is the way the modern world communicates. It's where we're entertained and educated, social media. It's integral to our lives. It's not going to go anywhere. It's going to get bigger and bigger. That's exactly why we need to trust that the people in charge of it know what they're doing and do it properly. One thing they're very good at is keeping us safe from content they find distasteful. We might remember the scandal of the Hunter Biden laptop, which disappeared from your Facebook news feed, disappeared from Twitter, it was called then, deliberately censored by big tech. And as a result, Joe Biden won the election, and we'll never know whether the scandal, had it been properly allowed to permeate through social media because it was all true, might have tipped the balance towards Donald Trump to serve a second term. And yet, ironically, Facebook, along with others, moved quickly to ban Trump himself from their platforms for three years. Well, currently, uh, the Piers Morgan Uncensored Facebook page appears to have been shadow banned too. This is a regular occurrence where, if they don't really like the look of some content, they just downplay it for the audience so that people don't see it. I don't think that's right. I think that's the form of censorship too. Meta makes $100 billion a year profit. It's time to invest less of it in sanitising opinions and more on keeping children safe, and that applies to all those other platforms too. Well, to discuss that and more, I'm joined by Seth Dillon, CEO of the satirical news site Babylon Bee, the computer scientist and author of arguments for deleting your social media accounts right now, Jaron Lanier, and the entrepreneur and host of Roundtable, Mario Northam. Well, welcome to you. It's a pretty star-studded uh, tech pack, this, actually. Let me start with you, Seth. Um, CEO of Babylon B, hugely successful uh, digital platform. When you watched all these guys like Zuckerberg yesterday squirming away and being held to account by people who've, you know, suffered serious harm, lost their children in some cases, what did you feel about that?
6: Well, you know, I don't take pleasure in them uh, suffering through a, a moment like that. I mean, obviously, I don't think that they feel good about the fact that there are kids who have committed suicide or have dealt with bullying and harassment or who have had who have had exploitative material of them shared online. I don't think that they feel good about that, but they they do bear some responsibility for it in the sense that their platforms are doing a very poor job of policing themselves and taking these things down. They care a lot more about jokes that they don't like apparently than they do about content like this because they catch that stuff and take it down right away. And sometimes these, uh, sometimes this content, this really offensive or unlawful content, stays up for an extended period of time and it's difficult for them to get it down. So they do have some explaining to do. Uh, but I don't feel good about seeing them raked over the coals for it. I- I'd like to see some actual solutions rather than just these conversations where we, they show up and we throw some punches at them and they leave a little bruised and battered but don't do anything about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, Mario, I, I follow your stuff on X and you're a, a relentless... Uh, you tweet a lot of exciting stuff, and it, you know, a lot of it's very interesting. Um, a lot of it's pretty full-on, and I, I would argue, as well. Uh, probably more for an adult uh, consumer than I would I feel comfortable with a child uh, following some of it, because, you know, you cover wars and everything else. But do you think there's a line? I mean, is there a limit to what should be put on these platforms? There is, but who's to decide those limits? Like, that hearing was a circus. you got the same people
7: behind... So someone just called me, I apologize. So you got the same people behind a lot of these um, uh, focus mode.
2: You're a lot, a lot of, of this
7: censorship. Yeah, yeah, so sorry, I just put it on Do Not Disturb. So the same people behind this censorship. So censoring information about COVID that they call misinformation. Censoring information when it comes to election interference and what they consider to be um, misinformation again. And now they're using a topic that is the right thing to censor. It's illegal content, but suddenly they care. And you got senators, Elizabeth Warren, Mark Warner, Amy Klobuchar, they were behind a lot of that censorship over the last two years. Right. But now, suddenly, they need to censor
2: certain content. It's illegal and social media companies need to do more. And I just find it ridiculous. Do you self-censor? I mean, is there a lot of stuff you don't post because you think, actually, younger people shouldn't see this? Mm, our audience is not younger people. So if you want to hold me as... But how do you know
7: that? A per- exactly. So it's difficult for me. So my content is out there. How do you prevent young people from seeing that content? Obviously, banning children from getting to social media companies, which some people propose, is a stupid idea. You've tried banning children from porn websites. All you do is get a disclaimer Are you above the age right. of 18? Yes or no? That's it. That's not going to work. So the solution, in my opinion, is a lot trickier than what these guys make it out to be. And you've got these senators essentially using this as an opportunity to show that they care. But the, the bigger agenda is not child exploitation. They don't care as much as they show it. They care about their, their their specific agendas, yet they're trying to sneak in under the umbrella of censoring content like child porn, which should be censored.
2: Right. Let me bring in uh, Jaron Leonard. Jaron, you're a, a computer scientist. You've done a lot of research in this kind of thing. I, I've been struck by that the, there's been an epidemic of anxiety about amongst young people around the world, uh, precisely mm-hmm. the same period of time in in society when there's been an explosion in social media and the ready availability of what I would call dopamine hit material of all kinds, whether it's pornography, Mm. whether it's warfare, whatever it is, it's constant, and they're sharing it and they're being exposed to it. You know, I get exposed to it and I'm 58 years old and I know it has a bit of an effect on me sometimes. You know, during the Mm. Israel-Hamas war, it's been really harrowing to see this stuff just bombarding my senses. So God knows what it's like for an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old, Um, Do you think there's a a link here between this eruption of anxiety that young people are suffering and this constant feed they're getting of of dangerous or unsettling or illegal imagery?
8: Almost all researchers, whether they're coming from the left or the right, have come to the conclusion that it does do damage. And, And by the way, I want to say I'm kind of more from the left than you guys. And... I'm kind of happy we have an issue where we meet here i think that's healthy and maybe that's a gift tech is bringing to us uh in my view the root problem here is actually just one law that could be changed that's not serving anybody and it's called section 230 and what it does is it treats uh internet hubs as if they were phone companies instead of publishers and the problem with that is something nobody saw i was around when we started this so um i share part of the blame perhaps but If you remove enough liability from the internet platforms, it means that their competitors can kind of put out the same stuff that they put out. So the only business model they have is to gain what we call network effect, which is a kind of monopoly, and then to sell uh, influence and routing of information or basically to sell virality through algorithms. And then the problem with that... Is virality runs on the fight or flight mechanisms of the human brain, and it tends to make everybody a little more nervous and cranky and uh, vain, and uh, you know all of those things. We see it more easily in our ideological opponents, but the truth is it affects all of us uh, pretty equally. Mm. Uh, So what I'd like to see is just simply to change that law. And I think what you'll see is the good side of social media, which is very real, have more of a chance and the incentives for the stupid stuff to be reduced. And I think all of us will be happy. And by the way, to my co-panelists, I think you'll do better in business in that world. You might not agree, but I think if it happens, you'll discover that. So I, I really want to encourage everybody to look at this Win win scenario, which is just getting rid of one stupid law. It's very rare we have such an easy
2: path. Yeah I, mean, I, yeah, I actually think my observation um, of the extremities on social media is that the extreme left and extreme right can be as bad as each other with the clip baking, basing, and the way they go about it. I don't think there's much difference from what I've seen. Oh my uh, God, Seth, yes. Seth, let me bring you back on, on another point, which is how much. Should parents be taking responsibility for enabling their kids to have the phones to get access to all this stuff?
6: Well, I think this is where the problem starts. It starts at home. It starts with how parents raise their kids and what they put in front of them. You know, the, my comment on this uh, when I first saw the you know hearings happening was that you know it's it, certainly these are dangerous platforms. They're they're dangerous even for adults to be on these platforms and. It's okay for us to have exposure to some dangerous things because we're adults and we know how to deal with it. But what are you doing as a parent putting something dangerous like that into the hands of your own child and then just setting them free to go use that device while you, you know, do your own thing and don't have to worry about parenting your child because they're entertained on this device for hours. That's having very damaging effects on kids. Kids are getting hand- cell phones in their hands when they're 7, eight, nine, 10 years old. Yeah. They're not prepared to encounter the content that they encounter there. The algorithms are designed to suck those kids in and make them addicted to that, to that content. Uh, it has very, very damaging effects. So parents, that's the first line of defense is parents. There are plenty of apps that enable parents to control that stuff. Parents shouldn't be putting the devices in their hands in the first place. Uh, but they feel pressured to because all the other kids have them. But that's, that's just parenting 101.
2: Mario, what do you think of that?
7: They're finding ways around it. It's a lot more complex, Seth. Like, you know, it's, it's always easy to blame the parent, but there's only so much they could do. There's apps to block certain websites, to block certain apps, but there's ways around it. And, and these children are smarter than their parents in finding ways around it. So I think social sure, media it's companies, while well I think it's that is the first line yeah, of defense, not the whole answer. Agree, agree. But what, what's happening here is that this hearing is focusing on, on the social media companies. Censoring the children, which I think there should be some level of censorship, but I think censorship isn't the solution. I think focusing on the source is the solution. I remember Elon Musk was talking about this when no one was, and he was being criticized for it. We did a space about it in the early days, and no one really cared about it. The media barely covered it. Now, suddenly, it's a big deal. Great. Finally, they're paying attention after Wall Street Journal and other publications did, um, um, uh, did hippie or not hippie, so I'd say did uh, analysis on this, but now starting to talk about the only solution being social media companies censoring further, more than the censorship that we have now, rather than focusing on the source itself, is, I think, going to lead to bigger problems. We just think it's like everything is solved through censorship, and I think that's dangerous.
2: Yeah, I think you make a good point. Uh, Jaron, let's talk about one social media platform in particular, because it's the biggest news source now for young people in the world. It's TikTok. And, of course, it originates from China, A lot of concern about what may be going on there, what the Chinese may be up to. Um, A lot of concern about the effect it's having on society and on young people in particular. What do you think of TikTok?
8: Oh, my God. You know, look, uh, I'm about to trash TikTok. So I want to put in one positive sentence. I actually like a lot of the stuff on it. I like TikTok dance culture. Hate me if you want for that. So (laughs) I'm not anti-youth culture. But... I mean, my God, look at the difference between the version of TikTok in China and the version externally. One is obviously designed to improve society and one is designed to harm society. Uh, Because we don't get access to the data, because the thing's a black box, ultimately, it's almost impossible to really, really know what's going on, what's intentional, what's sneaky and what's Mm -hmm. not. Um, I have talked to prominent people in Chinese society government and industry circles who bring up uh their century of humiliation the opium wars uh and I get the impression that for some in China this might be viewed as kind of fair play of a kind of a reflecting back to us what was done to them and what was for them a very recent memory even though for us it feels pretty obscure I don't but I can't know you know this is the thing that's so frustrating is that um there is really no way to know for sure what's going on, except we can say that uniformly people who study it think that TikTok is mostly doing harm. Yeah. It's obviously it's a mixed story. There's some good stuff on it, but I just think it's intolerable. I think it's a horrible, a horrible, horrible thing. And something has to be done about it. Um, I don't like censorship any more than my fellow panellists do, but I also think we can remove the business incentives for the worst content, which is a different issue, and at least that ought to help a lot.
2: Well, one thing I think that does help is talking about it, uh, and I appreciate all three of you joining me for a really interesting panel. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Well,
8: thanks. Really good to meet you all.
2: Uncensored next, Adventure Bureau's anti-woke rap song is tearing up the charts. Now, inevitably, he's been accused of cultural appropriation and racism. Do his critics have a point? Uh, well, the rapper behind the hit joins me next with two men who then don't, disagree, don't agree with him. It's been a year since I sat down with the Prime Minister at Number 10 Downing Street. It was charming. It was challenging. It was revealing and Rishi Sunak made some big promises, including this one to meet.
7: I'm confident I can deliver for people and at the end of the year, we can sit
2: and say, well, how have you done? I know you'll keep holding me account for doing it. That you can absolutely (laughs) rest assured. (laughs) PM and the PM, round two. Welcome back to Uncensored. Rapper Tom McDonald topped the US charts with his anti-woke anthem entitled Facts, which features a verse from popular conservative commentator Ben Shapiro. While the song's been the number one hit, critics have called it offensive, accusing Tom and Ben of cultural appropriation and, indeed, racism. Let's take a
6: listen. Unload this let's get a billboard number one the
5: same rap the same money
6: cars
9: and clothes we ain't selling drugs we ain't gonna overdose we ain't pushing guns ain't promoting stripper poles we won't turn your sons into thugs or your daughters into holes
2: well this begs the question has hip-hop gone woke i spoke to ben about his unlikely transformation into a rap heavyweight yesterday. And today I'm joined by the artist who actually crafted the song, uh, Tom McDonald. So, Tom, uh, well, first of all, congratulations on this runaway smash hit. Um, you are actually entitled to celebrate it because you are a bona fide rapper. Ben, I'm not quite so convinced by. Maybe a one-hit wonder. Um, first of all, are you surprised by the backlash or did you predict the backlash and that was one of the reasons you did the song in the first place? Uh,
5: well, I've made a lot of sort of anti-woke anthems over the years, and there's always a certain degree of backlash that comes with it. Um, So this one was sort of, you know, a a lot of my relationship with the audience is call and response. I make a song, people respond in the way that they do, uh, and then I respond again with the next song. So, uh, you know, Facts with Ben is sort of the cap on a long line of anti-woke anthems that have been met with pretty heavy criticism.
2: People uh, in the, uh, the black rap community have come out and said that this is just blatant cultural appropriation racism because you're accusing all their music that they produce of being about selling drugs, pushing guns, stripper poles, turning our sons into thugs, and so on. What do you say to that criticism?
5: Um I think that there's, you know, there's all types of rappers out there. There's there's black rappers and white rappers and Asian rappers and Indian rappers, all types of rappers. And I don't think that uh criticizing sort of the status quo of the genre or criticizing the prevalent content of the music, I don't I don't I don't agree that there's anything racist about that.
2: What struck me is that there seems to have been more outrage over you guys lampooning uh this style of rap music than there is about the actual rap music, which often to me gets an extraordinary pass from criticism. And I said to Ben yesterday, when you have John Legend rewriting Baby It's Cold Outside because it's so offensive, um, but doesn't rewrite any of the lyrics of any of his rap friends, there's an obvious double standard.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that sort of in general, um, over the last 10 to 15 years, there's been... Uh, very prevalent themes in hip hop, you know, uh, sort of uh, objectifying women and, and, and glorifying violence and romanticizing drug abuse and stuff like that. And um, I think that hip hop likes to think of itself as quite a woke genre. Mm. And uh, none of those things seem to quite align with uh, what the the woke mob um, is, is standing up and being vocal against. So I, you know, I think it, it, it's a little bit hypocritical, but
2: Do you think you can be number one on the Billboard chart or do you think you may get subtly shadow banned to stop you getting there?
5: Uh, Well, it's happened before. I've had Billboard refuse to count my album sales Um, I'm completely independent. There's no record label. There's no distribution. There's no marketing team, nothing. I make all of my beats. I write all the songs. My girlfriend shoots the music videos, entirely independent of the music industry. Uh, So, you know, censorship, suppression, shadow banning, is very familiar with all of those things. Like I said, Billboard's refused to count my album sales before. They've removed me off trending charts on YouTube. Um, My distribution company, TuneCore, which is supposed to be the alternative for artists who don't want to sign a major record deal. They are supposed to be able to go to TuneCore and independently release their own music. Um, So I had TuneCore deny release of this song and say that they will not host it in any form uh, because of quote-unquote lyrical content um so you know i think i think the buzz is there and i think the press is there and i think that the proof is in the pudding i have access to the sales numbers as do many other people um so i think it would be pretty hard for billboard at this point in time to just uh blatantly um snub us on the billboard charts
2: can you make one promise finally tom which is if you do get there you don't make as part of your celebration a decision to do a whole a- a album with Ben Shapiro. I don't think any of us could stomach that. Probably I, can not that <laughs> I can absolutely
5: make that promise. I can absolutely make that promise.
2: Tom, congratulations on the success. I love the record because I, lo- I-, I see what you're doing with it, and I applaud you for it. It's sending up a lot of double standard, and I think that's important. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it.
5: Thanks for having me, Pierce.
2: Okay, we heard from uh, Tom, and now let's hear from the hip-hop establishment. Joining me now from New York is the highly respected rapper Talib Kweli, who also co-hosts the Midnight Miracle podcast with Dave Chappelle, and the DJ and digital media mogul DJ Vlad. Well, uh, a very high-powered panel to respond. So let me start with you then, uh, Talib. You and I have locked horns before on Twitter, as it used to be. Yeah, use the trolley Um, on Twitter. I think we both like to express ourselves forcefully, and absolutely no problem in doing that. What is, what is your objection yes. to this song?
10: Well, first of all, um, forgive my voice because I'm coming off tour. My voice sounds a little scratchy. Forgive um, it. I want to congratulate cool, Tom. Okay, cool. I want to congratulate Tom uh, McDonald on his journey in sobriety um, because that's very important to note that part of his story is about his journey in sobriety. I do think it's very cowardly and very racist to blame hip hop for his addiction. As if white people don't have addiction issues. That's first and foremost. But if we're going to talk about the song "Facts" uh, with Ben Shapiro, let's have a facts versus feelings conversation, which is something that Ben Shapiro always says. Mm -hmm. Um, The hook of the song is "This ain't rap," which I agree with. It's not rap. It's not hip hop. Has nothing to do with rap. Pierce, you're wrong. The song is not has nothing to do with rap. Um, This song, he says, money, cars, clothes. We ain't selling drugs. We ain't gonna overdose. We ain't pushing guns. we ain't promoting stripper poles, we won't turn your sons into thugs and your daughters into hoes. This is not facts. He completely erased all conscious hip-hop. You see, I got this shirt from Tribe Called Quest, one of the greatest rap groups of all time. He erased what I do. He erased what my my, my people do. And uh, most of my friends don't rap about those things. Tom is lying about rap. Well, hang uh, on, okay, all right,
2: hang on, hang on. -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. think he's saying all rappers do. In fact, he made a point of saying he doesn't mean all rappers or all hip-hop stars. But there's well, no doubt, there's no doubt some on. do. There's he no made, doubt some he, do that. He stuff.
10: made a point, of course. Of course. And there's some country music artists and heavy metal artists that participate in violent and sexual content. But mm. I would never make a song. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't specify that he meant some rap in the song. He specified that on your show right. when you question him. But on the song, he's saying, I'm trying to be offensive and I, I'm hoping to upset people. So guess what? As a black man, black man who does hip hop. I'm offended. If you were trying to offend me, well, then you, good a, you did a good job. To claim that rap or art is a cause of violence and or cause of uh, addiction in his life is irresponsible and hypocritical. When a bomb drops in a, in a nation, it falls on the just and the unjust. I watched a movie called Oppenheimer last night yeah. about a white man who made an atomic bomb that dropped on Japanese people because another white man genocided 6 million Jewish people. Killers of the Flower Moon is a movie about a great movie about a white, man, white men who go and, and, and pillage and steal from Native American people. Uh, yesterday, a Trump fan from Philly uh, de- decapitated his father because his father was voting for Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. That's like vanilla ISIS. You can't tell me that in the culture that he claims that he stands for that there's no violence in sex. You can't tell me that. Anyone who supports Trump like Tom McDonald does in his music, after Trump's mugshot, after January 6th, after this man has been indicted for rape and has 91 felonies, you can't tell me about Blue Lives Matter. You can't tell me that you're about law and order. You're being a hypocrite.
2: Okay, powerful words. Uh, DJ Vlad, you've been sitting there patiently. Uh, What do you make of all this? Mm
9: -hmm. I mean, I agree, uh, someone with Taleb Kweli, who's uh, also a friend of mine. the problem is, is that when you talk about rap and you want to talk about the, the gangster lyrics, the violent lyrics, the drug lyrics, when you look at rap as a whole, when you look at the biggest rappers in the world right now, Drake, J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, these guys aren't rapping about drugs. They're not talking about violence. They're not talking about uh, you know, beating women or whatever else. And I think a lot of times when you have these songs that try to generalize these types of things, you know, it, kind of, it oversimplifies things and it gives rap in general a bad name. You know, so it's kind of annoying. And, you know, listening to the song, you know, on face value, it doesn't sound like he's really saying anything wrong. But a lot of times when you have these, these sort of white supremacist type of sayings, like, for example, all lives matter, you know, from the outside looking in, of course all lives matter. But it's really a shot at black lives matter and kind of trying to undermine that type of thing. So I really don't like, you know, what we call in hip-hop sneak dissing. And I feel the song has a lot of sneak dissing.
2: Tony, would it be fair to say that hip-hop has moved to a, you know, for want of a better word, a better place, that it, it, the biggest stars no longer want to rap about stuff that caused all the offence, and actually it's changed. Is that, is that accurate? See, see, I don't think that this should be a conversation with
10: three white people and one black person about the state of hip-hop and a referendum on hip-hop. I think that's the wrong direction to go. One more thing I'm going to say about Donald Trump is that Tom McDonald is an immigrant. Donald Trump just said immigrants are poisoning our blood here in America. Donald Trump uses uh, white nationalist re- rhetoric from Mein Kampf and Hitler all the time, and this guy is a supporter of his. Yeah, but this
2: hang on, is hang, on hang on, Tell him. Tell him hang on. Mm-hmm. Listen, you can have your views about Donald mm-hmm. Trump. That's fine. And and by the way, you can no, say no, no, I
10: said, I'm done. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. No, I'm done with that. That's why I, I was going to. I get song. it,
2: but the idea that I'm not allowed to, or DJ Vlad isn't allowed to comment about hip hop or rap is ridiculous.
10: I didn't say that. I didn't you, say that. DJ Vlad. No, I didn't. Let me let me be clear. DJ Vlad is a controversial figure in our culture. A lot of people accuse him of being a culture vulture. That is not uh, a criticism that I personally agree with, although I do understand the argument. I work with, if, if, unbeknownst to a lot of people, I've done more songs with white rappers than any rapper you can name, any black rapper you can name. My next single is featuring Mac, Le, uh, Mac Miller, Rest in Peace. I've worked with mm-hmm. Macklemore. i work with Ari the Rugged Man. There's no problem with white people in hip-hop. There's a problem with racist white people in hip-hop. Mm-hmm. And Tom McDonald's song is racist and is factually incorrect and i could and i could break down what's factually incorrect in the song facts and i could break down how ben shapiro started his career by saying rap rap isn't music so you got somebody featured on your song who tweeted in 2019 fact rap isn't music and if you think it is you're stupid well, that person is clearly not an anti-racist, intelligent person. Tom McDonald owes the hip-hop community an apology for putting someone on a song that, in tw- 20, 2009, writing for a white nationalist uh, site Breitbart, wrote an article saying rap is crap. These people don't respect hip-hop. Tom McDonald was making rap for people. Well, I think who don't you're
2: missing. Like look, I, look I, I played some of this stuff back to Ben Shapiro yesterday. I think you're slightly missing the point. He's, he's lampooning the world of rap and hip-hop. Oh, i missing just, the
10: point. You I'm think, there's a, you think there's a lot of hypocrisy I'm, I'm, and double standard clear. there? I'm very clear that Ben Shapiro is is lampooning hip hop. I'm very clear about mm. that. I'm not. I'm not under any but misconception. But even you, him, about look, this.
2: even you must admit, when mm-hmm. John Legend goes out of his way to rewrite the lyrics to mm-hmm. "Baby It's Cold Outside" because of the Me Too mm-hmm. campaign, because he, he thinks it's about sexual assault, but doesn't rewrite mm-hmm. any lyrics from any hip-hop or rap song in the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. You've got to admit, there is a ridiculous mm-hmm. double standard there, isn't there? I totally, I couldn't, I couldn't disagree more. I
10: completely disagree really? with Really? Because I think you're removing all... I think you're removing all social, political, and historical context that goes into creating hip-hop and equating it with the social, political context that you goes into creating Christmas You genuinely think Baby song. Is
2: Cold Outside is is more offensive than anything that the hip I hip-hop... didn't say that. Well, well you implied didn't,
10: it. I didn't say that. I said... No, I didn't apply it. I said, you are removing context to make a false equivalency. No, please the context is very straightforward. Ms. John
2: Legend mm-hmm. chose to rewrite the lyrics to Baby It's Cold no, Outside, I, I understand. but he didn't Pierce, rewrite Pierce, any Pierce. of the offensive, misogynist, violent lyrics I, of his friends in the rap world. Pierce,
10: I get, I get that that's how you feel, but you're feeling... It's not a facts. feeling, it's a fact. And the facts is... Oh, no, that's not... Well, it's, it's not a fact that it's, it's a, a problem... It's a fact that, that John Legend hasn't rewritten
2: any lyrics of people in the hip-hop that, world. And it's not
10: a... Pierce Morgan, John Legend is not your slave. He doesn't have to do what you He's not slave. my slave, and but he
2: can be a hypocrite,
10: and he then, was. Then, then, then,
2: then let let me... let's stop talking
10: about John Legend, because this is not about John Legend. Let's no, talk about but the song you... Facts. All right, but you... Stop deflecting. I'm not deflecting. And let's
2: talk about the song Facts. OK. OK,
10: so can we get back to Hang the song on. Facts? Hang on. Let me, let me okay. bring in the DJ first, Vlad. He's the been first very... lyric... Uh,
2: Taleb, there's, there's three okay. of us here. Let me I'm, bring in okay. DJ Vlad. You apparently, DJ Vlad, you're a culture vulture. But what does that mean, first of all?
9: uh i mean from my point of view i think that's a slang for pretty much any white person in hip-hop uh, i've seen every prominent white person in hip-hop being called a culture vulture from steve rifkin to lee cohen to eminem also, to also mac black miller people. also uh,
10: black people get called culture vultures also black people get called culture vultures in this culture culture so you, does it doesn't it's not, not, just not it's not also skin culture.
2: skin color specific you can be a black no, or not. white not. culture vulture right okay all isn't right. I, Absolutely. A I absolutely. a culture vulture?
9: Right. But, but, but white people do get it. White people do get a little heavier than others. And, and I've never minded being That's right. For, because for white me, people, fine. that's, that's sure exactly, I, that's I, exactly
10: I, I, right. Yeah. Because white people are the dominant yeah. group. It, that's how it goes. Racism is not logical or convenient yeah. for anybody. I, I, Sorry. But I mean, white yeah. people I, I are
2: the mind. dominant uh, group in music. Mean, hang on, hang on. White people are not the dominant group in music anymore. I would say most of the ah, yes, biggest stars yes, in the world are. right yes, now are. are not white. White people
10: own all of the record companies. White people own all of the record companies, Pierce. That's true. Well, white I had people, that conversation with Kanye. I had that
2: conversation with Kanye, and he felt very strongly about it. Okay. And I had that conversation with him, okay. and he, he may have mm. a point about that. White it people own all of the. But it doesn't the money change the, the fact that fact. many of the biggest and most successful and richest music artists in the world right now are black. That right. is also true. All
10: right, well, let's, cha- let's change places. How about we get all the money and y'all get to tap dance? How about that?
2: I don't think you're short of a few bob, are you? What'd you say? I don't think you're short of a few bob, as we'd say in England. You've got a few dollars up your sleeve.
10: Um, it doesn't, The money is not, a, it's not, about, it's not about whether or not one individual makes it. I am an exception to the rule. The vast majority of my people are not rich people. And that's a fact. And I'm an exception to the rule because I make money doing conscious underground hip-hop. I'm not doing pop-hip-hop. I'm not appealing to a MAGA fan base. I'm not a, I'm not, I, I don't rap about materialism, misogyny. I don't do any of that. So okay. I'm an exception to the rule. Time, it's good to have you on the program.
2: Come back. I've enjoyed this debate. Well, Hold on. Hold on. Hold well, on. I've got to on. move on.
10: I want to... I I OK, but I want to say that ben, ben Shapiro has a history of racist comments. Hey, yeah, you said and that. And for but... Tom McDonald... You know what? Okay. Listen. Well, then y'all, y'all should acknowledge
2: it. Okay, you've said you said your bit, uh, DJ V. Thank you for coming b- uh, back on. Please come again soon. I enjoyed that debate. Thank you very much. On to the, the next. A sixth of all British young men say feminism does more harm than good. Will my all-female super panel agree? Well, that's next.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up.
2: Welcome back to sense. I'm joined by my pack, Talk TV contributor lawyer, Paul Roan-Adrian, the political journalist, Ava Santina, Talk TV's international editor, Isabella Oakshaw. Three women with wonderfully long titles. Welcome to <laughs> you. Uh, couldn't think of a better panel for this debate, mm. actually. So, uh, is feminism harmful, is the headline uh, in The Guardian and uh, various other places today. Boys and men from Generation Z, Z, are more likely than older baby boomers to believe that feminism has done more harm than good. One in six British men aged 16 to 29 say that feminism has done more harm than good. Isabel?
4: I feel like I'm probably going to be on my own with this one. Um, Feminism, I think, achieved incredible, marvellous things, but now I think it has probably gone too far and we're veering into the realms of um, too much victim culture at a time when actually most of the ideals of feminism have been achieved. And feminism shouldn't be at the expense of masculinity. Mm. And what we've now got in response to radical feminism is toxic masculinity. Do you know how I know Not
2: feminism either... has worked, by the way? Is that If we had three blokes sitting here debating this, they'd be all hell breaking loose, right? We'd be, probably we'd all be fired. Hmm. Where are the women? Right? <laughs> no one is saying that because there are three women. Right,
8: well, are you there you presenting go? the show, yeah. aren't you?
1: That's
2: right. Ooh, and you're a man as far yeah. as I remember. Are you sitting there as a, a lesser mortal?
1: I'm ju- no, yeah. but look, I'm just saying, you know, you are presenting the show. And so that's why there is We have plenty you know, of female
2: presenters on this channel. That's
1: why there is an upset that there are three women on your panel. That's what do
2: you think yes, about this? But see, here's my theory about why people like Andrew Tate have got such traction with young men they all feel a little bit put upon. They feel like it's now a new culture. It's gone, the pendulum's gone too far. far. And that, yeah, a lot of bad guys got done in with, rightly, by Me Too and Time's Up. But actually, this culture developed where all men are awful until they can prove otherwise. And young guys are like, gee, what do yeah. I do? Yeah.
12: Right, OK,
1: it is hard to be a young man at the moment. There, are, There is enormous pressure on young men, but that's not because of feminism. Women have not caused that pressure to be put on young men. We've got a huge issue... I don't agree. Issue...
2: I, think some, I think a lot of radical feminists so What do you add.
1: think caused well, What are you it? talking about? Radical well,
2: feminists exist. What, what, I know what, you what? find this hard to believe. But
1: what are radical feminists? Uh, wh- We've been on here Man-hating
2: women t- who lead a charge to hate men. They do exist, these don't, people. I mean,
12: I mean, come on. How I'm, many I'm of those do you really I, know? I, and I, you well, not say I'm me. conscious that I don't want to interrupt my, my fellow. So, feel free. Um, but, look, uh, radical feminists exist, radical, um, you know, have toxic masculinity, and yeah. we know that we still need feminism because we have... People like yourself, in in these great um, positions, who will go on to X and say, for example, that our female female footballers were over emotional in the uh, finals of the women's World Cup. Who said uh, that? Um, mm.
2: I didn't say that. I
12: what? think you'll find over
2: emotional. I think you'll find you. didn't. Why were they all blubbering? And so
12: didn't so. I didn't and, say, so, say so, over emotional.
2: What I said was. That one of the lionesses. I think that was
12: the quote. No, I please. said one
2: of the lionesses shouldn't have won the BBC Sports Planet of the Year this year. One of them won it last year when they won something. This said they got one for, for losing. I didn't get it.
12: I'll send you I'll send you across across the article. Well with, I don't here's one about emoting.
2: I don't by the way, I don't like it when male footballers emote too much. Mm. I don't like the blubbing culture. Mm. Full stop. Mm. I'm a stiff upper let's, lip guy. And I know it's gone out of fashion. I know I'm not allowed to be, but I like a stiff upper lip. I like the old way I like the old path news footage with people going Go! Pull! Get a grip! Put male all (laughs) together! We've got the
12: male suicide rate. No, I know, it's a totally separate thing, which I take take very
2: seriously. It has nothing to do with the blubbing culture. It's
12: the same with feminism, and I I, I worry that this feminism and the definition of feminism has been overtaken in the same way that the definition of woke has been overtaken. Feminism is about the, 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 the striving for equal rights, and that strive is by men and women. Mm. It's not about hating women. I agree with Isabel. And yet, funnily
2: enough, having, having won so much fairness and equality quite rightly, yeah. and I applaud that, the moment the transgender lobby come along, I want to erode those rights, you two, that's oh, that's fine. fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, we'll that's give really them all back. Must, you must I mean, we'll that give, give them me, all we, back, Isabel. Isabel. Ava, I
4: yeah. want to know, because you did acknowledge that it's extraordinarily hard to be a young man now. So what do you put that down to if it isn't radical feminism? I would
1: say a lot... I mean, if you look at some of the, the, the reports that are... Made, uh, created by right-wing think tanks, a lot of that to do with the struggles of young men is to do with finance and it's to do with yes. the economy. Yes. So you'll have poor, white, young men I mean, who are poor, in areas yeah, who are defunded and they're so not being offered... They're not the being finances. offered mental
12: health treatment, they're not being offered good teachers, they're not being offered, you know, good finance, in yes. a good economy in their Generation schools. Generation Z, we're talking about 16 and above, yeah. is my understanding. And we are, and I agree with Ava, we are in a world now where we're expecting these 16-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 21-year-olds to go into a place of work where work no longer pays. Mm. We are in yeah, a generation that's true. where we it are. Isn't why well, they? Why they're of distressed? Of course it is. When you have a situation where you have a young male who is looking around and trying to understand, do I be go into crime? Do I become a drug dealer? Do I be, become an X Y or Z? Or do I sit back in my chair and say, Well, I can't do the job I want to do because of her. I can't do the job yeah. I want to do because of an immigrant. I can't do the job I want to do because of wokeism, whatever I don't that means. she has got anything so to do. This, is what what about. Are talking about? It's, no, it's bang feminism. on, it's bang on because, is feminism. because you the YouTube whole thing. So off. because yeah, off young, the
4: young men, here. You've young, got men, off. I have young a men are upset son. because they're not. I'm going to trump you both on this. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, a I've had three. son, mm-hmm. and he's pretty interested, or certainly was before he got himself into so much trouble in Andrew Tate. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of young men are, and it's and nothing to do with them
1: worrying about the problems with young men on young women when it was nothing to do with young women. Look, you know, young men used to have a social contract. They would go to school, they would go to university and then they would be able to get a job that provided for their family. Yes. The economy now doesn't offer them that opportunity and they are angry about it and they're rightly angry. And they're also being, they're also being told all
2: day long, all men are awful, prove otherwise. By
1: who? Andrew Tate. By, and who? By, By who? radical feminists. By men. Men are saying, saying
12: that this is where this message comes from. Whereas we know... If that women that even, just even stopped, even stopped hating men
2: a little bit, it would be really helpful to the self-esteem you know of tried, young men. If
12: we started treating each other equally, all right. then perhaps there wouldn't be this problem. You know
2: what? I've got to leave it there, uh, and I can't leave it there because I'm a man and I'm in charge of this show. <laughs> so thank you, ladies. I'm <laughs> saying so next. A top vegan restaurant takes drastic measures to arrest slumping sales. Uh, it's going to sell meat. Well, who would have guessed it? Nobody wants to eat gruel. That's the debate we're going to have next. a top vegan restaurant in Cheshire has announced it's going to have to start selling meat to survive. It follows mass closures of vegan restaurants all and down the country. So is veganism dead? Joining me now is Animal Rights activist Jamie Logan. And the Outkick host of Tommy Lahren is fearless. Tommy Lahren, well, Tommy, uh, it doesn't surprise me, this... uh, Why would anybody want to eat this gruel, is my first question. Plus, it's not healthy to lead a vegan diet. Most science (laughs) now has established that. And now it turns out nobody wants to eat it in restaurants. I mean, it's a triple whammy. For the vegan world, what do you think?
11: Well, I'll tell you this. I come from a ranching family in South Dakota here in the United States. So I firmly believe that uh, a meat based diet, in addition to plants, is important for your overall health and also the overall economy. So I'm a big advocate for that. But I'll also tell you this, Piers, a couple of weeks back, we had a major snowstorm here in Tennessee, and the grocery stores had pretty much nothing left. Everybody had taken everything, but you know what was left? the fake meat, the impossible meat. Turns out nobody wanted that. The real meat, though, that went pretty quickly. So I think people are finally starting to understand that, well, I understand animal rights, and I understand that nobody likes factory farming. That's something we can discuss. But when you talk about eating meat in addition to plants and having an overall balanced lifestyle, you got to include meat in that because otherwise you're going to be weak, fragile, and frail.
13: And and science proves uh, that.
2: To bring in Jamie, by the way, that's what animals do go to the jungle and they all eat each other.
13: Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show to offer another perspective. Some of the top athletes in the world, such as Kyrie Irving, Novak Djokovic, Chris Paul, are on plant-based diets. Would we say to them, oh, well, you guys are not healthy. I mean, they're exceeding. They're winning championships in their respected sports. They're so the top scientists, also at Oxford University, Harvard University, are claiming that we can live and thrive on a plant-based diet. So I don't know. Should yeah, but we here's believe, the
2: thing, Jamie. Nobody, nobody wants, wants to because nobody wants to. The reason these restaurants are going out of business. Nobody likes vegan food apart from die-hard vegans. And I never meet a, he- a healthy. I never meet a healthy-looking vegan. And I never meet one who doesn't yap on and on and on about being a vegan. You know, I like yeah, steak, but I don't talk about it 24-7. Yeah,
13: and, you know, I definitely feel for the financial insecurities some of these business owners are facing. It's terrible, I agree. Well, that'd but be fine I if, if we put meat animals. back on the menu. I feel for the animals that are forced into gas chambers who have their lives taken from them. I'd say maybe get a new chef, add some seasoning on there. There's amazing plant-based options and alternatives that can give you that same taste, satisfaction, pleasure. No, that's the, but mean, that's the
2: thing, you see. It doesn't it doesn't taste as good, Tommy, does it? I mean, I've, I've looked at this stuff. It, they call themselves like vegan sausage rolls. It doesn't taste like a sausage roll.
11: No. And, you know, if if vegan and and plant-based food was so great, they wouldn't go out of their way to try to make it taste like actual meat. So Mm -hmm. I think that that proves the point in and of itself. But I would say this. If we can find some common ground here, I think that that would be excellent. I'm against factory farming as well. I don't believe in cruelty to animals as far as shoving chickens in cages or having animals live on feedlots their entire lives. So there's a solution to this. We can go back to uh, American or maybe UK-based, for you guys, farmers and ranchers that raise their livestock in a humane way and if you're able to instead of buying the stuff in the grocery store go and find somebody that has a ranch or a farm and get your meat from that source maybe that way we can be sustainable okay. we can be Let's strong be and healthy and we can Jamie, also eliminate you've got
2: 30 uh, the seconds, animal Jamie, cruelty. we've reached a point of agreement i think maybe
13: I don't think so. No, vegans are not against farmers. We're against animal cruelty. And at the end of the day, these animals still end up at the slaughterhouse with their throats slit. And so that's really where the problem lies. We make make plant-based options taste like meat because we didn't give up meat because we didn't like the taste. We gave it up because we didn't want to see animals suffer. And that's what veganism is. It's about showing kindness and compassion for all living beings. Okay.
2: Listen, I hear you. I don't... I mean, I'm not... I'm like Tommy. I'm not... I I don't like a lot of the animal cruelty that goes with the meat business, and that can certainly be worked on. But, boy, I love eating meat, and no vegan's ever going to change my mind. Sorry. Tommy, great to see you. Jamie, thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's it from me. Whatever you're up to. uh, Eat your vegan gruel, if you like. Uh, Eat meat, if you like. Whatever you do, though, keep it uncensored. Good night.